In the next 60 minutes here on News Night, the alarming rate of youth unemployment in Ghana revealed. We have details of the latest statistical service report showing how unemployment rate among the youth shot up by 25% in just a year. About a fifth of our youth are not doing any of these. 15 to 35 are not in employment, they are not in education, and they are not in training. We call it the need. Explore the security implications of the current youth unemployment bulge as it emerges. The bulk of this youth group still unemployed and neither in school nor in any training. You know, you have the dream of going to school to get a job and then go through the hustle and then after the years you don't get anything, even though you are trying as much as you can to get a job. We'll hear from some of these unemployed young men and women. Also tonight, Ghana's latest World Press Freedom Index worse in 18 years as the uh, country drops two places to, to rank 62nd in the world. Tonight we ask, what's the way out as GJA blames the consistent decline and abuse of journalists? The Minister of Justice disclosed that the docket on Swami has not reached his office considering the fact that this office has prosecutorial powers. But government maintains it has done enough to deepen press freedom in Ghana. It is therefore not surprising that despite the challenge, Ghana's media landscape has largely been highly rated by international experts as free and independent. So why? So, 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 so why? Oh, yeah, 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 were sounds of angry customers of Collab's Gold Coast Fund Management Company picketing the Securities and Action Commission to demand the release of their locked-up funds. We will hear from some of the customers on how they have been coping after nearly five years of non-payment of their monies. Minister of Finance promised we were going to pay them. He, he, he became a bit better. Now, the whole of yesterday, he couldn't speak. He couldn't speak. We just from the hospital. Right here is in the car. Well, they've been protesting. We have details of that. We are calling on the nation. Yeah. This is not our fight alone. Yeah. Let the nation arise. Yeah. It started with a financial cleanup exercise. Yeah. It got to individual bondholders. Yeah. It got to pension bondholders. Yeah. Now pension funds are on the way to be cashed. Yeah. In business. Bank of Ghana moves to support bulk oil distributors with more dollars as it advanced $20 million to these importers. And in sports, fans of Paris Saint-Germain called for the exit of Lionel Messi following club's sanction on him for unauthorized trip to Saudi Arabia. But the Argentine forward has already made his mind. And then later, we'll bring you that election headquarters build-up, focusing on one of, as many people put it, front-runners in the race to lead the NDC into the 2024 election. Stay with us as we beg you the reveal who that person is and the details that we've been gathering after talking to him. Stay here on News Night. Plus your views later on 055 Let's start tonight with that latest report from the Ghana Statistical Service. In just a year, the rate of youth unemployment in Ghana has shot up to 25% from the previous 19.5%. That's according to the latest Ghana Statistical Service data which reveals that a sizable number of those groups is neither in school nor in training. In over 1.7 million Ghanaians are unemployed, with some unable to find jobs, unable to find food to eat, and are multidimensionally poor. 
Here's a Ghana statistic. Here's the government statistician, Professor Samuel Kobana Enin. Our youth that are not doing the three things that we expect them to do. We expect our youth to either be in school, education, either education, training, or employment. And about a fifth of our youth are not doing any of these. 15 to 35 years. They are not in employment, they are not in education, and they are not in training. We call it the need. Not in education, not in um, employment, and not in training. Honorable Deputy Minister, our goal at Statistical Service is to point policymakers to what we think or how we think they need to target these issues. So it is not just the fact that we put out a statistic that about a quarter of our youth are unemployed. We're providing further information on where you can maximize your gains if you decide to deal with it. So we interrogate the data and tell the policymaker that it peaks at A21. So most of our youth at A21, that is where you don't find them doing any of these three things. And that is where you can maximize your returns, rather than tagging the age bracket 30 to 35. So if you really want to maximize your gains in addressing the, the issue, then target age 21. And if you think about this carefully, it coincides with the transition from school to work. So now that we know the extent of the problem, what can be done about it? Listen to the government's statistician. At any point in time, 1.7 million persons are unemployed in Ghana. These are predominantly female, specifically two out of every three. For the first time, we've given out the unemployment spell in Ghana, and close to 160,000 persons have consistently remained unemployed in the first three quarters of 2022. As we indicated, at any point in time, we have 11 million people who are unemployed. But if you really want to find out those who consistently, sorry, are employed, if you want to find out those who are consistently employed, you get 7.5 million. What this tells us that 3.5 million people that ordinarily will say they are employed would always move in and out of employment, making them very vulnerable. Our status for vulnerable employment has not changed. Since 2013, 10 years on, we still have two out of every three persons who are unemployed. And if you trace why people become unemployed, you find out that about two-thirds of them are those who are in vulnerable employment. We really need to get out of the informal status that we find ourselves, because on the average, it's contributing about five times more to unemployment than formal employment. Let's break this down a bit further. Kofi J, uh, data analysis in the studio uh, with me. Uh, Kofi, how did this get this alarming when you look at the rate? So, Evans, we know that Ghana's national security has actually tagged youth unemployment as one of the key threats to uh, the stability of the country. So, this is the scary picture, Evans. So, overall, unemployment rate uh, is around 13.4%. But youth unemployment is now 25%. So you're looking at the overall figure, 13.4%, and youth unemployment rate of 25%. So as of the third quarter of last year, if you sample 100 Ghanaian youth who were available and ready to work, you find 25 of them unemployed or without work. That's, that's a significant number. Do we know what this translates into in terms of real numbers? 
So in real numbers, the Saskia service did not really put that specific number to it. But we know that 25% is high because if you look at what it was 2021, it was 19.7. So to move from 19.7 to 25%, that's a significant jump. Okay, let's uh, quickly bring in Dr. Wusu uh, Keja, is a chief statistician at the Ghana Statistical Service, uh, hopefully with uh, more clarity on these numbers. Uh, thank you, Doc, for your time here on Newsnight. Thank you so much for having me. I, I, that question I asked earlier, does the statistical service know the, the percentage we've just been talking about, what it translates into, into actual numbers? Yes, but um, before that, um, let me correct um, this impression that the 25% means that if we take 100 youth, then 25 out of that um, will be considered unemployed. Um, and so within the population, we have three main uh, groups. So you have the people who are employed, the category that are unemployed, and a third category which we call the people who are outside the labor force. And so these are people who possibly are undergoing training or because of some other reasons are not working, disability um, and, and some other stuff. You could also have um, another group who, even though were engaged in some economic activity, we are considering them as um, unemployed, um, sorry, as not employed because the work that they did is like that they did not receive um, payment or profit as um, um, helps us to define what employment is. And so when we are um, putting out these numbers, we need to be careful how we, we interpret it. Um, your question that relates to the numbers, um, I need to get it right. Um, we have the numbers, but um, I cannot, I need to make reference before I can put it out in the public domain. And, and the, the impression that uh, you were talking about, it, it is, you know, breaking it down and segregating the numbers is, 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 is I guess, is where, as I said, the devil is in the detail. And our focus was, uh, you know, the, the, the rate of youth unemployment, uh, which we wanted to touch on, where if you look at the other research around, the focus is on okay. what, what, what that challenge is for you that are unemployed and how then that becomes a fertile ground for recruitment for all manner of nefarious activities. That's why we're focused so, on, on that. So, so, so um, yeah. I'm, I'm getting the figure now. So we're looking at um, around 2.5 million um, of people. And, and this is all the segments that you, you surveyed, 2.5 million, including the youth, the old, everybody else, young. No, talking about the unemployed. Unemployed in Ghana. To, yes. to, yeah, to in Ghana, out of the current population, 2.5 million people are unemployed. Yeah, so the 25% that you talked about, I'm sure he was referring to the needs. Yes. And so let's, again, let's be careful um, talking about the unemployment rate for the youth population 
as opposed to the needs. And so for the unemployment rate, we are looking at the population, so specifically the the youth that you are talking about, the population 15 to 35 years, who um, did not engage in any economic activity, but then they were ready to offer themselves for jobs. They were available for, for jobs. And so that is how we are defining the uh, unemployed population. But the need, if you recall what Prof was talking about, uh, the population who... So here, the population I'm talking about is you. Who were not in employment, they were not in education, and they were not in um, training. So ideally, we expect that if you are not employed, then you should be either um, engaging some form of training or um, being um, some education. And that is what we were talking about as, as need. Yeah, and, and that number, it definitely will strike a lot of concern for yes. other policymakers because this is a group that they are really available to be exploited. They have absolutely nothing to lose, no training, they're not in school, they're simply unemployed. That definitely is a, is a big challenge, is it not? Yes, it is. It is. Um, and that is why um, these groups um, were highlighted during the, the presentation. So that policymakers, um, you know, Prof keeps talking about having um, proper targeting, and that's why the disaggregation of the data, you know, uh, becomes meaningful. And so the idea was to highlight this so that policymakers will know where to target in terms of policy decision-making. And clarify, so this is the group that we had the clarity about that says one in every four you will be, will be, will be in that category, correct? So one in four? Yes. One in yes. four? Yes. One, of, one in four of youth in this country will be in this particular category? Sure. Okay. Um, and as we speak currently, the, the the main purpose behind research is to inform policy. What is the what is the collaboration between yourselves and say the government implementing agencies who take this and use that to inform policy going forward? Has this been transmitted formally? What are the conversations going forward? No, no. So um, yes. Um, so usually um, it happens at different levels. Um, for instance, at the start, at the onset of um, this program, usually we bring um, key stakeholders together to be part of the administration of the program. Um, and then when we get the results like this, we also make sure that the policymakers um, have access to this um, information. And we even go further to make sure that um, we bring out the specific issues that needs to be um, looked at, um, and and through those collaborations, we are able to support in terms of giving directions as to um, what to do next. Thank you very much, sir, for your time here on News Night, and we would uh, hear 
from one of the uh, youth, a, a, somebody who is unemployed, really, because this is really what this is about. And I want to hear from you wherever you are tonight. If you're one of those affected by this, let's hear your story. Um, the concern there, listening to the the chief statistician, the Ghana Statistical Service, confirming that in Ghana today, one in one in four youth fall into the category of uh, of people who do not only have jobs, they don't have jobs at all, they are unemployed, but they are not in training, they are not in school, they are doing absolutely nothing to even build themselves up for employment. And that's where the concern has been, if you read all the security reports, is that this group of people become very vulnerable. Let's bring in Dr. Ishmael Norman, security analyst, joining us on the line. Uh, Doc, thanks for your time here on Newsnight. You're welcome, Evans. Doc, you listen to the chief statistician tell us that one in four youth in this country not just not, not that they're unemployed. That's not that's bad. But that group, they're not in training. They're not in school. They have. They are not planning to to get one. They're just simply there and unemployed. What would you say to that in terms of all the reports that we've read that you've talked about extensively about how that group becomes very vulnerable targets for all nefarious activities? Well, I think. Um, thank you very much for the opportunity. I think. This is a, a, a clear sign of a non-performing government uh, when you have one in four people who basically have given up uh, the opportunity. And these are young people. So structurally, they don't actually have a chance to, to even compete because uh, maybe they don't have the certificate, they don't have the training, they have absolutely nothing. So this is a potential uh, a cohort of people that can easily be exploited because they are very vulnerable to all kinds of uh, encroachment, uh, including terrorists, including vigilantism, particularly coming to 2024 election and, and so many other uh, criminal vices that uh, people can basically uh, as far as I'm for. So it's not a very good picture. I would not, I wouldn't even waste time to, to diagnose whether it's structural, whether it's segmentation theory we have to use, whether it's economic theory we have to use, because this is a clear sign of a failed government. Simple. How do we mitigate a potential devastating outcome because of the significance of the number we are talking about, one in four? What do you do to mitigate? I mean, we're in a current economic crisis, so I guess an immediate economic solution, it's, it's, not, it's not realistic. But can we mitigate? I think we in Ghana, particularly in the last few years, we have not practiced meritocracy. So um, and it doesn't only have to be based upon uh, university qualification but rather upon what you can do if you're given the job. And because we are not looking to employ people based upon what they can do, um, we are basically pushing people away from the job market because they've given up hope. They're, they're, maybe they are very good mechanics, maybe they are very good carpenters or plumbers, but they can't find jobs, not because they are not looking for jobs, but they look for jobs for so long they've given up. Because until you are from a certain tribe, uh, identity politics, uh, until you are your father is this or that, until you are gone or a chim or whatever it is that we are using to place people in jobs these days, 
uh, you won't get the job. So these are all signs of a very weak uh, political system, social system that has not been run properly by the adult uh, controllers of this economy. Thank you very much, Dr. Ishmael Norman, a security analyst there. Now, talking about this particular problem, we've been speaking to one gentleman who is unemployed, an unemployed graduate, has been out of school for a while, has been searching for jobs and still not finding one. Listen to his story. I completed in 2019, so it's been four years, minus service three years. And how has just Jenny been? Um, it's been it's been tough. I mean, you know, day in day out, you as a young man, I mean, when you are young, you know, you have the dream of going to school to get a job, and then go through the hustle, and then after the years, you don't get anything, even though you are trying as much as you can to get a job, because day in day out, jobs are posted. When you see the ads, you apply. Sometimes they contact you. Sometimes they're unable to. They'll be like they'll call you back. And then it's, it's been tough. It's been tough. The course that you finished with and what sort of jobs you've been applying for? Okay, so I I completed with a BSc in IT management, information technology management. So anything related to IT administration, I, I apply for them whenever I see those ads. Um, so talking about applications, do you know how many you've written over the years? Uh, over the years, I, I, I don't count, but then it, it's been a lot. Because, like I was saying, as in when I see the ads, maybe on LinkedIn, or even our friends who sometimes when they see ads on vacancies and all that, they, they send it to me. So to give you a specific number, uh, I can't, but then it, it, it's been a lot. For me, I live close to um, a major road. It, it, it starts waking up, let's say, Monday morning, and then seeing all these people going to work, Everyone is moving, your friends are all going to work, and then you are just home. It's, it's traumatic. It, it hurts. Sometimes I can even shed tears, and I just tell myself, I mean, God knows best. So. What, what about your parents? Um, are, are they okay with your situation? What, what, what have they been telling you? They know how hard I'm trying. You know, I'm, I'm not going any younger. So I'm at the age where I feel I, I have to do something for the farm because I have younger siblings. So what have you been doing in your idle time? I mean, whilst you, you are trying to find a job, what do you do? I get some of projects. Since I'm home now, what I, I do with my free time sometimes is I have based in my community, I organize free classes for teaching for them. And that's an unemployed graduate there. And many of you have joined us with your messages on this uh, revelation in the latest Ghana Statistical Service report. I think that the Diamond Report of a Consistent Decline, uh, and well, it, this is on the press freedom. That's a story we'll go to uh, pretty eminently here on Newsnight. And this one on the subject of the youth unemployment, Ghana is the complete leadership paralysis where the number of youth-centered policies the successive governments in the Fourth Republic claimed to have implemented to elevate the youth from the web of unemployment. Sami in Kumasi centers uh, that one. And uh, this one from Ni uh, from Kwabinya says, the National Population Council of Ghana is institution mandated by the Constitution of Ghana to pick up this report by the Statistical Service and to coordinate attempts to address the issues raised in it. Government must do well to look into what is happening in that particular institution.
And indeed, you can also join us with your thoughts on this story and more. 055-11-11997. Now, uh, this is Ghana's worst ranking in the last 18 years. The consistent decline has got media watchers and journalists association concerned because Ghana has dropped two more places to rank 62nd in the World Press Freedom Index 2023. Ghana dropped 30 places on the global ranking to place 60th in 2022 and 10th in Africa. Ghana has since been witnessing a sustained decline in the press freedom rankings for a number of years now. The decline largely cited uh, abuses and economic conditions of journalists. Safety of journalists featured strongly in a recently launched University of Ghana report. Now, here's a former dean of the School of Information and Communication Studies and professor at the Department of Communication Studies, Professor Audrey Gajapu, giving highlights of the report. I think the first thing that the report draws out is how opaque media ownership is. You'll be very hard-pressed to find out the actual persons behind certain media organizations. Uh, what you are going to find is the name of companies, and, and, and that, of, that masks the, the true picture of who owns media in Ghana. Apart from media ownership challenges, uh, mainly concerns about safety, but also the poor working conditions of many journalists. Now, this is corroborated by a U.S. State Department report focused on violations recorded in 20. 22 in this country. It raised issues regarding attacks on the media. The Deputy Chief of Mission of the U.S. Embassy in Ghana, Nicole Ann Schillock, says there is a need to protect the rights to freedom of speech and the protecting journalists as a proper system to check false publications. Ardent supporter of press freedom because we know personally what the world looks like without press freedom. Such a world loses connection to the truth and is influenced by those with, shall we say, less undemocratic motives. Such a world ignores the voices of the people and concentrates power with a very few. Well, today, the Ghana Journalists Association has, of course, been participating in an event to mark World Press Freedom Day. The current president of the GJA, Albert John says the decline is a result of the continuous abuse of journalists. Of our colleagues, Lua Nati Dame of Radio Adar was recently detained for seven days on false publication charges due to this bad law. And this has affected our 2023 World Press Freedom Index, our ranking on 2023 World Press Freedom Index. Ghana has moved from 60 to 62. Ghana has moved from 60 to 62. Let's take notes. Two backwards. As the umbrella, body of journalists in this country, Madam Chairperson, we will continue to ensure that any action or law that seeks to stifle free expression fails. Madam Chairperson, to ensure that free speech is always protected, it is essential that journalists who are the vanguards of free speech receive all the support they require to carry out their duties without hindrance or complaint. Well, government, however, maintains that it has worked to deepen press freedom in Ghana. Maoli Segbafia is head of policy planning at the Information Ministry. He spoke on behalf of the Information Minister, Kojo Ponkrumah. Over the years, we have also worked to deepen this freedom by, for example, repealing 
the criminal libel law and enacting a right to information act aims at providing a freer space for public discourse. Freedom of the press is legally guaranteed, as I've already pointed out. But I'm telling ladies and gentlemen, the promulgation of the 1992 Constitution has radically transformed the media landscape with the emergence of broadcasting services across the country. The creation of a liberalized media space with its attendant proliferation of television, radio, newspapers, and the use of the internet, the repeal of the criminal libel laws, and the passage into law of the right to information have all assisted in guaranteeing access to freedom and justice for the media and the public in general. This development has introduced a refreshing pluralism onto our media landscape and has opened access to new and diverse voices that have promoted democracy and participation in governance and development. It is therefore not surprising that despite the challenges Gardens media landscape has largely been highly rated by international experts as free and independent. Well, let's speak to the GJA, the General Secretary of the Association, Kofi Yibwa, joins us on the line right now. Hello, Kofi. Hi, Evan. Thanks for joining us. You just listened there to Maoli Sekbefia. He's the head of policy planning at the Information Ministry. He was speaking on behalf of the Information Minister, Kojo Ponkrumah. Do you agree with his assessment? Not, not entirely so. Um, I think that um, it is one thing uh, making provisions for the law, and it is another thing ensuring a conducive atmosphere. For example, um, we all know that in 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 2001, the NPP ad- administration repealed the criminal ladder law. That is fine, but um, we also know that um, Ohima Sechua, who formerly worked with Adon FM, was assaulted at the NTT head office. So if the law is there, but then we don't take steps to ensure that we abide by the laws. And one of our concerns that um, after the, the act is done, um, you have government officials condemning the act to let people know that this is not something you condone, then we'll be comfortable in saying that we have um, a freer um, media space. Tell me, as far as the association is concerned, what do you plan to do about this consistent decline? Worse in 18 years. Yeah, um, we will continue to draw attention to some of the issues we think must be addressed. For example, in our um, our president's speech today, we have drawn attention to Section 208 of the Criminal and Offences Act, um, Act Act 29, and then Section 76 of the um, Electronic Communications Act, which we think um, are being used in recent times to attack press freedom, and we'll, we'll, we'll continue to make efforts to ensure that these laws um, are, are, are taking off our starting goods. And thank you very much. That's the General Secretary of the GJA. Well, in a related development, the British High Commissioner to Ghana has challenged journalists to 
always do proper, thorough research before coming out with your reports. Now, uh, Harriet Thompson says there is too much misinformation in the system. It must be checked. It's so important to have journalists who are bold and committed enough to keep going until they've uncovered the story, until they've really got to the bottom of what's going on. I would um, urge them to do a proper thorough job. There's too much misinformation and disinformation out there at the moment. And really effective journalism needs to be alive to that. The UK is going to be offering some training in that space to journalists. We've done some, we'll do a bit more. Um, because there's a risk that well-respected um, journalists who are committed to that moral code, committed to ethical reporting, are being misled by some of that information that's out there at the moment. So it's about being alive to the risk, it's about being bold, being committed, and knowing who to turn to when something happens that, that makes you feel intimidated, makes you feel like you're being restricted from doing your job. And she's going to be on PM Express later tonight. You want to make a date on PM Express. It's at 9 p.m. tonight. It's going to be across uh, many social media platforms as well. It's going to be on myjoyonline.com. Check out the live uh, broadcast on Facebook and on YouTube. And George Yaffe is here with Business After George. We will make a crossover to the election headquarters, which of course is Joy 99.7 FM. We'll bring you the latest in our build-up to that all-crucial, all-important NDC primary. George. Well, Evans, coming up in business, Bank of Ghana moves to actively advance dollar support to bulk oil importers as it sells $20 million to aid the operations. The World Bank appoints uh, former president and chief executive of uh, MasterCard, Ajay Banga, as the new president of the Institute. The Business News on Newsnight is brought to you by MTN Business. Welcome to the new world of business, Alliance Live and Ghana Pay. Wonderful. When everything worth doing is scheduled, hitting the stop button on your alarm just in time for your morning jog. That happy moment listening to your baby's heartbeat at the doctor's office. Or an arranged virtual meeting with that big client. Buy airtime ahead of time with scheduled airtime service on MTN Momo. You can schedule your airtime purchase of any amount daily, weekly or monthly by dialing star 170 hash option 3 and follow the process. Or simply dial star 170 star 311 hash for a superb airtime purchase experience. You enjoy 100% bonus airtime anytime you recharge yourself with MTN Momo. Keep on talking with that 100% feeling. So, what are we doing today? MTN. Son, we are so proud of you for setting up this hospital. I really love those hospital beds and waiting chairs. By the way, did you import them? No, Dad, I didn't. I actually got them from Kindle Books and Stationery right here in Ghana. Wow. We also bought our office supplies, safes, executive desks, and chairs from Kingdom, and they gave us expert advice on how to set up our office. Guys, that makes three of us. I also got our sofa and bedroom sets, plus our dining hall furniture for our new home from Kingdom. Wow, Mom, that makes four of us. I usually get my stationery items from Kingdom. 
And my teacher also mentioned that our classroom furniture was provided by Kingdom. So there you have it. Whenever you're thinking about setting up an office or acquiring furniture for your home, etc., Kingdom Books and Stationery should be your first point of call. With over 14 years' experience in the industry, we stock and supply a wide variety of globally sourced office and home furniture, stationery, and equipment. Visit our head office, Osu Akwaje, or our office near the Osu Stadium. We're also in Tema Community 1, opposite Olam SHF, Kumase KNUSD Campus, UCC Cape Coast, and now at the Marina Mall, Airport City. Or call us 0302-764101-764209 or 7627-92. Visit our website, www.kingdomgh.com. Flamingo Paint has superior properties than any other paint brand on the market? Listen, when you take one bucket of Flamingo Paint, it's equal to several buckets of any paint brand on the market. So, Flamingo has superior hiding properties, superior coverage, it means it covers, and superior durability. Flamingo Paint, superior hiding. Flamingo Paint, superior coverage. Flamingo Paint, superior durability. Flamingo Paint, simply superior. You welcome back to Business on Newsnight. The Bank of Ghana is still taking steps to ensure that bulk importers of petroleum products have the required dollars to finance imports. The central bank last week sold $20 million to these importers. Some industry experts have argued that the consistent intervention by the Bank of Ghana in terms of dollar supply may go a long way to help in stabilizing prices of petroleum products at the pumps. Meanwhile, some of the major oil marketing firms have uh, reduced prices at, at the pumps. Not Shell and Total selling a liter of petrol and diesel at 12 Ghana cities, 64 pesos. Another oil marketing firm, Petrocell, is selling a liter of uh, petrol at 12 Ghana cities, 28 pesos. Diesel, on the other hand, is going for 12 Ghana cities, 32 pesos. Now, this is coming after God took the lead to adjust prices at the pumps by some 46 pesos for a litre of petrol and 53 pesos reduction for a litre of diesel. Industry analysts are linking the reduction to the marginal stability of the Ghana city as well as prices of crude oil on the international market. The World Bank has announced the appointment of former president and chief executive of Mastercard, Ajay Banga, as the president of the institute. Mr. Banga is taking over from Mr. David Melpas, who is said to leave the position at the end of June this year. There is more in this report. Mr. Banga, who was also the vice chairman of the General Atlantic, is expected to serve for the next five years, beginning June 2, 2023. At the payment card group that is Mastercard, Mr. Banga launched the Center for Inclusive Growth which advances equitable and sustainable economic growth, as well as financial inclusion around the world. He was honorary chairman of the International Chamber of Commerce, serving as chairman from 2020 to 2022. According to the World Bank, Mr. Banga's selection followed process agreed by shareholders since 2011. This process, the bank says, was merit-based and transparent nomination where any national or bank's membership could be proposed by any executive director or governor through an executive director. His predecessor, Mr. David Malpass, is stepping down after serving for more than four years at post. It is not clear for now why Mr. Malpass stepped down before his time was due. 
And that is the new, the profile of the new World Bank uh, President, Ajay Banga, who is taking over from David Melpas as the new president. I mean, coming, looking at where he's coming from, and we also understand that Ghana indeed uh, supported his nomination, what this would mean for the country. Well, we're looking at those analysis in the coming days. The electricity company of Ghana has hinted that it is considering jail term for customers who assess power illegally. The director at the company engineer, Dr. Yaomafo, tells Joe Business this has become necessary following the trend they identified in Tema area during a one-month revenue mobilization exercise, which ended in April. He says the company is expected to lobby parliament to enact laws to punish these corporates. I want to advise the customers to inculcate or prioritize the payment of bills. Gone are the days when we enjoy a lot of free things, and I know more, especially the residential customers. There are situations where they feel they need to even enjoy the power free, but that should not be the case. We also want to advise customers to desist from illegal connections. When we embark on the exercise, one of the major things we came across is meter bypass and illegal connections, power theft in general. Director of the Electricity Company of Ghana, engineer Dr. Yao Mafo. Now, the Agricultural Development Bank has joined the list of uh, banks that have posted significant losses due to the negative impact of the domestic debt exchange program on their operations. The bank posted more than 370 million Ghana City laws ending December 2022. Investment in bonds that the bank feared will not be paid back on time was pecked at 375 million Ghana cities. Now, despite the challenge, total assets reached 7.4 billion Ghana cities. Deposits also went up marginally as compared to what they mobilized in the same period for last year. Now, panelists at the second edition of the Joy Business Town Hall meeting have made a passionate appeal to government to take steps to cut down its expenditure. They believe this is one of the surest ways to deal with the current challenges facing the economy. Speaking on the theme, post-domestic debt exchange program, IMF agreement, what next? Panelists said government should take a major role to play in ensuring that the economy is brought back on a sound footing. Let's get you the highlights of some of the discussions at the program. What is government sacrificing is the question we should be asking. 40 fleets of cars following the president when they are going on tour. To finance fueling those cars alone is a lot of money. That notwithstanding, allowances, you're taking way too much allowances than you deserve. How about you tell us, okay, I'll cut down my salary by 30%. I won't receive allowances. When we look at our expenditure, there are a lot of loopholes in there that when we put them together, there would be a huge amount of money for us to do things with ourselves. In as much as the program will come on board, it will come with certain conditionalities. But then, let's look at the positive side of it. If only they remain so disciplined with the money, and then they will be forced to cut down some of their expenditure and all that. Joseph mentioned about 40. All of them use V8. Now multiply that 40 by 2,000. Let's say following that V8 is 2,000. That's 80,000. Let's assume that government tells all the regions, 16 regions, 80,000 times 16. That's around 1,280,000 Ghana cities. What? Where is it going? So it means that we actually need fiscal discipline. And those are panelists at the second edition of the Joy Business Town Hall meeting on the theme post-domestic debt exchange program. 
IMF agreement. What next? It happened at the UPSC Business Auditorium. Now, if you invested on the market, returns are picking up and you may be making almost 12% on your investment since the beginning of this year. And that's all up for business on Newsnight. Back to you, Evans. Joe, thank you. Joe, thank you very much. And indeed, you're live here on News Night. It's on Joy 99.7 FM. And as I said, later, we'll have election headquarters uh, for you here on News Night. And this is Flagbury. I hope for uh, Dr. Kablandu Four says his reason for contesting the upcoming primaries is to make all Ghanaians prosperous since he has what it takes to win the 2024 polls. We are all hungry that tears in the eyes of Ghanaians everywhere. They should help me wipe the tears from the eyes of Ghanaians. Soothe the pain in the hearts of Ghanaians. That requires a leader with the courage to change things. That's coming up in our build-up to the NDC May 13 primaries. And it's going to be live here on your election headquarters. You don't want to miss it. So why? The sounds of angry customers of collapsed Gold Coast Fund Management Company picketing the Securities and Exchange Commission to demand the immediate release of their locked-up funds. The collapsed financial institution under the name Black Shield Capital Limited had about 55,000 customers whose funds were locked up shortly before the regulator revoked his license. Now, the group, of course, today hit the streets. For many of these customers, the past five years have been traumatic. This condition is killing people. Yes. Yes. Old people are dying. Yes. And Mr. Dufresne says that there's nothing they can do about the death of the pensioners. Pensioners who have worked hard, served this nation with their sweat and blood. They have made their monies. They have put it down for their future use. And if a government policy, this company did not collapse by itself. Gold Coast Fund Management Company was solvent yes. until a Kufuaru government cast it yes. with the financial cleanup exercise. Yes. And this is a policy by government which was preluded with a lot of assurances from the government that he is doing this exercise to protect we the depositors, we the investors. It is going to protect our investments and our deposits. And here we are, five years, we are still counting, people are dying, and the Securities and National Commission, Reverend Obama and his entourage today in the meeting, they told us that they can do nothing about the death of the pensioners. We are calling on the nation. This is not our fight alone. Let the nation arise. It started with a financial cleanup exercise. It got to individual bondholders. It got to pension bondholders. Now pension funds are on the way to be taxed. And joining me in the studio right now is my colleague who was with them today. Uh, James, you followed them today. Um, they had some assurances. In fact, claims have been made that they've been paid. But they say that's not exactly the case. Right, as, as If we may recall, in 2020, President Akufoto said these customers or these depositors had been paid. But it's been almost three, four years now. And according to these um, Good Coast, aggrieved customers of Good Coast Fund Money, there are over 55,000. 
none of them had received any payment from the Securities and Exchange Commission as well as that of the Ministry of Finance. They claim there is some sort of foul play there because according to them, according to Convener, he he actually received some messages from some insiders that had to do with the, um, the NPP government that they actually disbursed this money in 2020. So these monies are supposed to be paid to these customers, but I don't know what's really happening. So they just want the government to investigate and know where these monies were being paid and through which medium were these monies paid. Okay, so that's what they've been asking today. Exactly. They went to the SEC. Yeah. Did anybody from SEC come out to officially address them? No. So we were there for almost five hours. We were just trying as much as possible to speak to any staff or any member from SEC. But it appeared all um, attempt to <clears throat> reach out to any member of SEC um, proved futile. They are just not ready to speak to the media, let alone even having a conversation with the aggrieved customers there. Okay. They didn't tell you what their next step is? Well, so there's a three-day picketing at the premises of the Securities and Exchange Commission. And they tell me if nothing is being done, they will continue to picket until this particular mas- uh, matter is being resolved. Okay, thank you very much, James. Let's do sports now. And Bao is here with the latest. And uh, there's been a lot of... Uh, trolling of Chelsea supporters. I hope you're not one. Um, I'm one. I'm a, oh, I'm a proud oh, okay. Chelsea fan. Please go on and I'm tell a... us what, what the latest is. It's, it's good to tell us the latest because that's yesterday's story. Yeah, yeah. Right? I'm, I'm trying to help you. Yeah, I know I like you. It's okay. It's oh, okay. Like it's you, okay. Yes. We'll be back. We'll be back. No yeah. doubt. We'll be back. But it's the fans of Paris Saint-Germain who actually um, have ramped up to the club headquarters demanding uh, the exit of Argentine for Lionel Messi. And of course, this follows controversy uh, for Lionel Messi's unauthorized trip to Saudi Arabia and subsequent sanction by the club, which involves him being suspended for two weeks and fined uh, undisclosed amount of money for that unauthorized trip to Saudi Arabia. Let's hear the fans of Paris Saint-Germain as um, they chant that Lionel Messi should leave their club. Paris Saint-Germain fans there. But interestingly, Lionel Messi himself, we understand, uh, he has decided to leave the club when his contract expires at the end of the season. And of course, this decision was uh, reportedly firmed up following the recent development, part of which, you know, like I mentioned, the suspension that has been given him and the fine handed to him for that unauthorized trip to Saudi Arabia. We understand their interest from Saudi Arabia, from America, and even Barcelona a sensational return to Barcelona in there for Lionel Messi. So that's it, events. Big, big, big Lionel Messi development in France. He went to Paris Saint-Germain to help them win the Champions League. Lionel Messi, Neymar, Kylian Mbappe. But that's how he ends. He's going to leave the club. Uh, you know, which is a little bit of his reputation dented. Yeah, I never sanction. thought I would live to see the day when in a group of supporters will gather to protest yeah. against Messi. Yeah. And demand that he leaves their club. Yeah, this is historic. It's historic. It's, it's historic, of course. And what, what even makes this worse is because uh, on over the weekend they lost Laurent three goals to one, mm. and the night after they lost, then Lionel Messi jets to Saudi Arabia to go and have what was described as vacation, and the fans are clearly unhappy about it. Thank you very much. This is your election headquarters.
course, here on your lecture headquarters. The last couple of weeks have been building up to that NDC national primary to elect not only a presidential candidate, but also parliamentary candidates as well. And tonight we're focusing on one of the front runners, Dr. Kwabuna Dufour. He's hoping to lead a party into the 2024 polls. The former finance minister uh, will on May 13 face stiff competition from John Dramani Mahama and Kojo Bonsu. Now, Joseph Akabli of our political desk has more. The tears in the eyes of Ghanaians everywhere. They should help you wipe the tears from the eyes of Ghanaians. Soothe the pain in the hearts of Ghanaians. That requires a leader with the courage to change things, to change the status quo. That's what I will do. The state of Ghana's economy remains a major concern to the man touted for his economic prowess. He comes into the race with a vast experience as a former governor of the Bank of Ghana and a former finance minister. He believes he can turn around the economy. Every Ghanaian, no matter the birth of his or her circumstances, should have equal opportunity in our system to achieve whatever he or she wants to achieve. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. That dream will bring about prosperity and happiness. He will face off his former president, John Dramani Mahama in Kojobonsu. The Economist Intelligence Unit in its April 2023 country report on Ghana noted that the NDC can revitalize its prospect of electoral victory with a new candidate such as Dr. Kwabna Dufour. The former finance minister believes he stands a better chance. I'll ask my colleagues to help me do that. No one person solves a problem. Hmm? And no one person is big enough to do anything. That's why in the Bible, the creator himself, when what he was creating a man, said, let us create what? Let us. In the Bible... The, the Lord never said, I, I, no, said, let us. Well, another contender in this uh, race to lead the NDC, Kojo Bonsu, says he has no intention of stepping down from the contest. Should there be any approach from any quarters asking him to do so in favor of any of the candidates? Now, the former mayor of Kumasi is confident he will win. The National Democratic Congress is gearing up to elect its flag bearer to lead the party for the 2024 parliamentary and presidential elections. Speaking in an interview with Joy News on his campaign, Kwejo Bonsu said no amount of compensation can convince him to rescind his decision. <laughs> oh, you see, I think this is uh, a no question. Because how? We've gone through paying a whole lot, a heavy amount of 500,000. I've been all over the country, all regions, all constituencies. My last 47 constituencies left in Ashanti. And you're saying that I'm going to redraw 11 days to the time. For what? And for who? Oh, Masa, I'm not the typo. Very firm and very straightforward. Okay? What is compensation? Then what is the point of, I want to tell people what I can do for Ghana. There's no point in collecting consultation and, and not do what you want more. No, I don't believe in that. DNDC is expected to hold its presidential and parliamentary primaries on Saturday, May 13th, 2023. Kojo Bonsu believes he has an antidote to the challenges confronting DNDC. He has designed what he terms as prestige card to be given to party members in good standing as a form of health and social support. The reality is that our members, even when we are in government, they, they feel very um, unnoticed and they still run in poverty. And this is to come in relevance, especially funeral charges and hospital charges breaks them down. And this is to bring hope to them. It's for NDC people. And I've designed this to make our grassroots happy and think I'm thinking of NDC. That's the most important thing. 
Koju Bonsu described his campaign as clean and he is a stronger contender in the presidential race. My team, yes. wait and see. For Joe News, Nana Bwati Dankwe Yadom, Kumase. for news tonight. Tonight, tomorrow, we will bring you a focus on Aswasi constituency in the Ashanti region. It's a brutal race there between the former minority chief with Muntaka Mubarak and a host of others who are seeking, scheming, conspiring to remove him. And this, you don't want to miss on your election headquarters. It's time for strong and sassy. And what, what, what a conversation in prospect. The challenges of single motherhood and finding love. Oh yes. my goodness. Hi Evans. Hello. Hi. Um, so last week somebody forwarded me um this conversation that was going on on Facebook about how uh, men would meet a woman and they really like it until they discover that she has kids and then mm. problem. Um and then also when they talk to their mothers about it, their mothers are like, No, we don't want. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll I'll give you the details of of that thread when we actually start the show so it got me thinking you know what are the kind of challenges that women who have kids um have when they're trying to get back onto the market so yeah I like that onto the market yeah there's a second gentleman approaching the microphone i wonder you think he has an expression i'm sure experience? he has he, oh, he has, has an opinion experience. he's an ancestor yeah. so he has an opinion oh he everything. has a personal experience hello winston hello winston how are you you're good winston um, all, all of we are not starting. speaking tonight mm. But yeah, um, so that's that's the conversation. But you know, it's funny because then I also have a number of friends who. Um, why, why do they want to get back onto the market? Wow! <laughs> why shouldn't he finally they? Spoke. He found his voice. If, no, it's just a question. Mm-hmm. What, what what market is there again? Yeah. They're, they're, so for example, so for example, Winston, Buy let's say selling. let's say you got married at twenty five, mm. right? You have twins they had twins at 26 mm-hmm. and then your husband passed away when you're 28 mm-hmm. is the expectation of society that you will be single until you no die? no no you marry again so why are you you asking? marry somebody like you wow that's yeah. that why why must it be somebody like well, he will understand you better that's not necessarily true maybe from my experience ah, well, i not, don't know so. maybe yeah, anyways, I'm, I'm lost right now. I don't know what. Um, well, are talking about. Winston is saying that if you're a single mother, you should maybe marry a single dad as well, so that there's you know yeah, some kind sense. of it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, a lot of equity. Um, well, that's why we're having the conversation, and the phone lines will be open because I know that that's for this one, dear. Um, you guys are gonna have a lot to say, so let's have the conversation. Stay tuned in. Strong and Sassy is coming up next.